This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the AEC Engineering and Technology Podcast, podcast dedicated to helping engineering professionals find technology that fits their needs. This podcast marks the second episode in our 10-episode series called Unveiling Tech Horizons. Throughout the series, we will revolutionize AEC consulting by delving into cutting-edge technologies such as AI, BIM, digital twinning, PM resourcing tools, and more. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Will Sennett, Director of Strategic Accounts at Disperse, about how Disperse is using technology to solve some of the biggest challenges facing the construction industry today. Will will also talk about his journey transitioning from a career in engineering to a sales role within a technology company. So if you're interested in such a transition, please stay tuned because it really is a great episode. And with that, let's jump into today's episode. All right, it's now time for our conversation of the week with Will Sennett. Will, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Nick. Thanks for having me. Will, could you just briefly introduce yourself and tell us about your career journey in the AEC world to date? I'm currently the Director of Strategic Accounts Disperse, which is a construction technology company based in London, but we've got operations across the UK, Ireland, Middle East, and also in America. My background is actually in construction. I'm a chartered geologist or a geotechnical engineer. Essentially, anyone I enjoy the looking at foundations and putting piles in the ground. Uh, about 14 years of experience, worked on a number of big basements, big towers across London, and I've also worked on infrastructure projects across the UK and Ireland. Did a bit of work in the Middle East, but I briefly, my background is in, got a bachelor's in engineering geology, and uh, kind of ended up playing around with a bit of construction technology, and then eventually got on board with Disperse. And I've been here for about a year and a half. And uh, my role is yeah, essentially working on business development across regions I mentioned. And uh, yeah, just trying to d- push uh, the dispersed platform and also just improvement in uh, construction tech across the industry. This interview, I think, is going to be really interesting, Will, because we've had a number of listeners, you know, chime in with questions. Hey, really interested in the construction technology space. I'm currently an architect, an engineer, construction manager looking to make a switch, but I don't know how to do it. And I think your experience is going to lend well to answering some of those questions. I appreciate that, Nick. And I think um, I've had a number of people also reach out to me and ask similar questions. And uh, like, if anyone's listening, you know, just to kind of shout out now, feel free to message me. More than happy to have a conversation about this. Uh, but hopefully I can help answer some of those questions that they may have already. What inspired your transition from, right, you know, basically geotechnical engineering now to technology sales, right? And how did that shift kind of impact your perspective on the industry? Actually, I'm being completely honest, it wasn't something that I was actually looking out for. Like my role to disperse, you know, essentially it came to me as an opportunity. But how I kind of got stuck into it, I mean, I've always been interested in technology. Most of my good friends would, I think everyone would probably say I'm a massive geek. You know, I like to play around with different tech and um, always got the latest gizmos, so to speak. But when it came to actually construction, it actually really started during COVID, funny enough. 
when we were in lockdown, I was leading a team to go out and inspect some of the rail embankments across the UK. And um, the Welsh were inspecting everyone would then huddle around the team's calls, looking at the photos we'd taken. And the iPhone's great. You know, digital photos are great quality. But having to take all these photos across all these abutments and standing in the river and taking photos and whatnot, we just couldn't actually get a feel for the actual work that we were trying to improve. And I was like, no, just go to the next photo. And then we'd end up on the other side of the embankment. Oh, no, no, go to the next photo. Anyway, it was just a mess. So I started exploring. I was like, well, how can I improve this? And 360 cameras are relatively inexpensive now. And I think the one I picked up was like an instant. It was like three, $400. I just took the plunge. You know, luckily, fortunately, you know, not COVID, not having to commute, save a bit of cash. And I was able to just buy it myself because going through the whole process of getting someone to approve it, we all know is difficult. And that's actually something I want to touch on at the very end. So just did it and yeah immediately we feel the roi like taking 360 photos was brilliant but that then led me on to kind of like well how do i then get that for that and share that so i started looking at different platforms and found a platform called clua which is an online website which basically is a real estate putting photos i was like well i just need something to host it. And, yeah proper engineering how can i make something just work with what's available and which is relatively inexpensive like 15 or five bucks a month i think it was and once i've done that I started to see like the benefits of actually being able to share it. Anyhow, that then came about. I showed my directors and I showed also Network Rail, who's the they're the infrastructure company essentially that run our British Rail across the, the country. They loved it. They bought it. So every project from then on, they were paying us like $2,000. Yeah, we're going to have this. But we were thinking, well, how can we improve this on all of the other projects? So we weren't just working on infrastructure projects. We were working on big residential commercial projects in the UK. One of them is Batsy Power Station. Everyone's heard of it. It's on the uh, cover of Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. And um, essentially, we're just like, right, how can we use this tech? What else is out there? And we started looking at Hollow Builder, Qpix, all these different brands are out there. I started investigating. And essentially, we were looking at like the, the resident engineer of the future. I'm not sure if you guys have that over in your side of the pond, but over here in the UK, I was essentially, I'd go on board as the client side and basically inspect the piling works, the foundation works or the, or the retaining walls, et cetera. So my role was, how can we make this goal better? And that then essentially led me on to disperse. And uh, oh, you know, cutting the story a little bit short, kind of fell in love with what they're doing. I was like, right, I want a bit of a flavor of this. And an opportunity came up and I took it and I started off as an account executive, which is essentially just someone who's supporting like one or two clients trying to build out the platform uh, within them. And and then here I am now, those essentially leading the UK, Ireland and America in terms of the business development. So. It wasn't something I was looking for, but I'm so glad it happened because I'm now essentially working on billions of dollars worth of construction works. Okay. And I'm having a meaningful impact on the industry. Like I can see physically the changes that we're having in terms of the, the improvements on construction sites, the efficiency gains. And I've got clients that are coming back to me like, right, this isn't me standard on all our projects. And that type of reward to me is, it wasn't something I was ever expecting, but it's just something that I really enjoyed. I'm, I'm kind of now. I, I've taken the plunge to go into construction tech. Kind of got off on a bit of a tangent there, but I kind of wanted to summarize essentially it, where I am now and how I got there. The old engineering philosophy, right? You're just trying to make something work with what you have readily on hand. And in fact, with a lot of digital transformation, right? That's, that's kind of how it starts, right? You just got to have a small proof of concept, low budget, make it work, and then kind of show everybody the vision. And then that's when you can really start getting some good buy-in and investment. Exactly. And then funny enough, actually just thinking about how you just said it is essentially what I did there was prove to myself and to my team, my business that the proof of value, the buying this 
it's worth it. And then in, they then investing into it. That's essentially what I now do when I meet new clients or new opportunities where they've never heard of Disperse or they've never heard of this type of reality and capture with benefits, so to speak. Like, right, well, let's do a trial. Let's showcase it, you know, grapple together what we can and make it work. And then at the end of it, like, this is brilliant. Exactly the same with other engineers or other people that are listening in. I'm sure they've probably had similar moments where they've gone, right, how am I going to make these two spreadsheets work? <laughs> how am I going to make this foundation design work? You know, you end up trying to cobble together something and ultimately the output is what you wanted it. But it's that path of like going from, you know, the very beginning of like how do you get this together and then the output. And once you've done it once, the second, the third, the fourth time, you iterate and you just make it a bit better, a bit better. And eventually you've got something that's a lean process. But by the time that's happened, you then need to make add another workflow. In. And I mean, that's ultimately what engineering is. You're constantly like moving the flywheel, so to speak, constantly adding new tech and just making everything processes better, faster. But you are ultimately always, you know, tweaking things. How does the platform provide actionable data and insights to construction project teams, right? And I want you to touch on photos. This conversation we've had a couple of times, right? Like photos versus data. And what does it actually mean to the end user? So Disperse is more than just a platform. It's more than, we are not a software provider. We are a service provider. We are essentially a turnkey solution, so to speak, or a service provider. Like we actually take great deal and great credit or great, um, and we really want to make sure that our data that we provide to you is not just meaningful, but it's, it's also correct and it's accurate. And if it's not, we will go back and correct it and make sure that it is. But going back to like you were saying about the photos, like, so in a sense, Disperse is a reality capture with lots of benefits. It's kind of like really dumb it down or advanced reality capture. We take 360 photos, we take them. So we also have a team that go out on site because that's a whole other issue in the industry. They're just not taking photos of construction site. We know this, Nick, I've said this before, like the easiest ROI on a construction site is to just get someone to just solely just take photos and you will have massive benefits during the works, but also if you're a developer or client afterwards, or even if you're a general contractor afterwards, you have an actual decent document, all the photos. But where Disperse really excel at is actually, I've given the example before, Nick, is, you know, we'll take, a, let's say, a thousand photos across a residential build. I don't care about 950 of those photos. I care about 50 photos because those 50 photos is where all of your trades are working on right now. And I can show you where they're working at. We'll still take the other 950 photos, so you've got the records, but we will tell you where that work is. And that's the, this is the difference. A photo does not tell you anything. It shows you something that you have to tell yourself what it is. Okay. What Disperse is doing is Disperse is looking at that photo and using this hybrid AI human method approach. And it's essentially providing it to you on a dashboard that's really simple for anyone to use. Okay. To look at and go, right, trade one, they're on floor five. Trade two, they're on floor six. That's where I need to go. That's where I need to expect. Okay. And then where we're then taking it to the next step is when checking the works to see once they actually go in, are they actually incorrect? And are they actually to spec? Are they actually to drawings? Okay. If you have a BIM model, great. We'll check it. If you don't, I don't care. We all know that 3D BIM or the actual BIM element, no construction sites have a very detailed BIM model. But we can essentially see like what works go in. Is it correct? Yes, brilliant. If it's not, we'll flag it. And that's the extra bit. Like That's the actual bit. I am telling you, the general contractor, you the consultant, go out to floor 50 in room five, okay? There's a light bulb that was last week was installed. This week, it's hanging, it's broken. That room may just be about to be handed over to the client 
I have flagged it, okay? It would have taken your person to go all the way up to that room to inspect all the rooms, and then hopefully they would have seen it. But we're not just going to show you that data. We're also taking all the data and seeing, like, well, how much work to be actually done and comparing it to your program as well. There's so much more information from us as a single 360 photo that I think reality capture, it's great. We've been doing that for like seven years, eight years, but we're on, you know, with us, we're taking everything to the next level, you know, advanced reality capture, essentially. We all know that on-site construction teams reporting, everything's all over the place, right? It could be a Word document here. It could be an Excel file here. Often it's just a bunch of data, right? That's all over the place. Maybe we could use the term dispersed. Yeah. How yeah. does disperse then address kind of these issues of data being everywhere and then improve pretty much it coming to this one place, making it, as you said, right, really easy for anyone to view. One of my clients actually recently said one of the benefits of disperse is that not only did you have all the photos and all the data and all the reports that you produce, everything in like one single location that we can go log in from anywhere in the world on your laptop just need an internet connection, you have got your construction site in your laptop. I mean, that's it's insane. And you can make actionable actions to people on your laptop. But what they really found was actually the consistency going throughout the project. Now, most projects, you'll have a churn of people. People will come, people will go. You'll also have like the superstructure guys will come on, then they will leave, fit out team. You know, maybe the project exec might be the one person who kind of goes consistent. There'll be a few people that go throughout, but you're going to have a churn of people. Disperse is there from the beginning, if you want us to, all the way to the very end. And with that one consistency, so as much as I think actually having a single source of data is really important, it's actually just having that consistency as well, that every time that you know that when you open it up, it's there. Because we all talk about like having a docking and control center, and having everything in one location, which is super valuable. You know, you have your protocol, you have your connects or whatever, but it, people have to upload it. People have to put information up there. People have to make sure that it's seeing the right hinge sheet, so to speak, whereas Disperse is there all the time and has that data there. So that thing is a combination of two things, like both having everything in one location where everyone can get it, but it's then having the consistency every week that data is being updated. The churn of, of different trades and different people that are coming through any large construction project can really make you know data consistency and organization of data a real challenge. Massive it, yeah. And, and just to kind of like touch on that a little bit as well, some of my clients also talk about the reports. They go straight to the end. They talk about, I want a really nice bath dashboard. I want to be able to see everything. And I get that. I mean, we're all visual people as well. We want to be able to see things. And we're really good. We're engineering, okay? You know, we're logic thinkers. We can see a trend line and I can make a judgment call very quickly. Like, this isn't looking good. You know, this is not, without even seeing like the numbers, you can just tell that it's, something's wrong. But they're so focused on the actual reports, on the expressing side of the data, but they're not actually thinking about the capturing data, the organizing the data, and actually getting that data so that, is this information correct? If a few people make a few mistakes wrong, or if someone was away on annual leave, or they were just late, or a trade's not been able to hand in their report at the right time, those small things start to add up, and that can make a big difference in terms of your accuracy of that report. And then you're, you're seeing that dashboard, right, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to send trade one to the next floor, but you're wrong because the information that you were fed was incorrect. We spend a lot of time thinking of like the output, the express, like the actual data at the end, but we don't actually think about the collection of the data. There's a, I can't remember the author's name, but he talks about this thing called code. 
capture, organizing, distill, and express. It's a great book. I think it's called Second Brain or How to Build a Second Brain. Highly recommend it to your listeners. But essentially, we all live in it right now. Your mobile phone, your everything you have is essentially a second brain. But I do think that digital platforms like Disperse and others, we are that digital brain of a construction site. You just have to be get better at capturing that information, organizing it, and getting it ready, and then to be able to express it, if that makes sense. Which, right, a 360 camera is great for because there's really no mistaking or, you know, misinterpretation, right? Because a, a well-trained system, which we'll get into a second here, all it's doing is reporting the facts back to you, right? You, let's say, walk the site with a 360 camera and immediately you're being told, hey, there's work going on here. This might be incorrect, right? And there's there's a number of different systems, I'm sure. There is, yeah. Yeah. I'm really curious to learn more about that human AI interaction you spoke of earlier, right? So how does that work? Could you give us more insight into like how that all meshes together? The AI system that we use is well, the approach that we take is very much AI and human elements. So we actually have architects and engineers in house who do a big grunt load of the work in terms of actually seeing well, what works have actually happened. We're still using AI as a way of we're training essentially the computer vision, what our dorms, what our stud works, what our different types of cabling, etc. We've got around 680 different types of components that we've trained the model or internally we can essentially track. So essentially anything that is visual on your construction site, whether it's a superstructure, if it's during fit out, it's the roof, it's the envelope, if it's the basement works, the MEP, we can track that. As long as it's visual, I mean, it makes sense, we need a camera. So there's some elements obviously we can't, but ultimately, majority elements are visual. And what our system is doing, we're using the AI to kind of speed up that process. You see, on some construction sites, we're taking three, four, or 500 photos a week. On other projects, we're taking like 10,000 photos a week. Okay. It's ridiculous. We were on a project in 199 with Multiplex in London. I think in square meters, it's about 70,000 square meters. That's like 700 to 800,000 square feet. It takes us two days to capture all the photos, but within 48 hours, the team, not only do they have all those photos located in the correct location, because we take the same photo in the same location every week. Okay, we don't walk around. And there's another reason why, and I can talk about that in a second, but ultimately your team is getting all this data and it's just a wealth of information that we provide on, on a consistent basis. So many people with the rise of, of AI really becoming popular in mainstream media, it's really, hey, is this going to take my job, right? What does this hold for the future? But well, I found a lot, and it sounds like you found the same, is there's really this AI-human partnership where, let's just use professional engineers, for example, right? The law requires PEs and in the states to sign and seal documents, right? That's not going away anytime soon. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for individuals in AEC to take control of kind of what happens next by utilizing AI. Now, Things change and, and things can get pretty crazy pretty quickly. But to date, I really see it as more of a, a partnership and a tool rather than something to fear. Absolutely, 100%. And the, our AI system isn't there yet. And we need the human system to be able to help actually understand all these components. Uh, we, know, we need billions of more photos before the machine actually ever gets that. But kind of just addressing one of the points you mentioned about like AI isn't take my job. It really isn't going to take a job. It's going to leverage your job to make you do even more. I wrote an article about this that we've essentially created the digital construction digger. And what I mean by that is like the digger, the excavator, the crane, they are all construction technologies. The spreadsheet that you're using right now, 
to a degree, is a construction technology. It's just part of the woodwork. If I took a spreadsheet away from you right now, Nick, I guarantee you would not be able to do your job. I couldn't do my job as, as when I was designing parlors because I had a parlor spreadsheet that did everything I needed to do, basically. You know, I still did the checks. I still signed when I came to sign off. I still had a handwritten document. But when I was iterating, I was using my spreadsheet to do many different types of size of parlors to then narrow it down to like one or two sizes and then iterate and then check it. Okay. That's essentially what dispersed if you think like there's a whole set of technologies here that QSs, schedulers, site managers, package managers, every single person on a construction site benefits from this. They just need to learn how to drive the technology. So like using an example, like the 360 technology that we just talked about, really basic. Like you could send someone out to a site, take all the photos, and then you remotely can look at those, plan your schedule out and go, right, I didn't see any real issues. I'll flag it. I'll send out maybe one of my subordinates that's got like five years experience. I'll send them. They can check that. It wasn't worth my time. Whereas on this other site, your graduate or your assistant's gone around taking photos and go, oh my gosh, that is looks terrible. I need to go do that. You have benefited from the leverage of having those 360 cameras, okay? You've then been able to allocate your resources appropriately. The step up, which with AI and, and platforms like Disperse and others, is that now you can essentially track it. You can see all those issues and they are then telling you what those issues are. You, as a PE, still have to go out, potentially physically look at them, but at least you now know with better certainty like, what are those issues are. We're essentially giving a construction site a tutorial of all your issues and a tutorial of what to do this week. Some people think, oh, that's, you know, I want to get my guys out on site. 100%. You need to get your guys out on site, but at least you're t- sending them to places where they actually make meaningful change. I've been amazed by how many construction sites where the site cabin to get to the actual site is like a 10 minute walk. I'm like, ah, totally just put that there. And like, that's a massive saving. But if you don't use 360 cameras or any other type of tech, if you can reduce that, that wastes time, 10 minutes there, 10 minutes back, 20 minutes, you can save that a few times a week. You've just saved a couple of hours. These small things just add up. And that's where leveraging different types of construction technology like Disperse and others, if you're listening to this, you will become a super user and you will level yourself up far quicker against your peers and your colleagues than if they're, they're not using it. I'm a proponent, right? If you're the engineer in charge, right? You should be walking pretty much every site now. Should you walk it for an hour and maybe pass it down to someone, another engineer that you're training? Or maybe it's a good fit for a technician who smart person doesn't need to be a professional engineer and you're overseeing their work but like you said you're spending the majority of your time on these these big hairy problems that require your expertise and then letting other competent just maybe less experienced individuals handle everything else and i think it's great because before it's a photo that's no context i don't know where this was taken i don't understand now compare that to a 360 walk or 360 photos that show the majority of what you need right from your desktop. Exactly. And you can remotely access it from anywhere. That's also just the beauty of the technology now. But it's enabling more people, especially in the construction industry, because we have a whole issue with mental health issues. I don't want to drag onto this too much, but it's quite important. I think that guys on the construction side, they are on site constantly. And like their freedom is very limited. I know over here in the UK, during lockdown, for a small period of time, everyone was at home, but construction sites started up straight away and uh, there were safety principles that that were in play, but they were still working. But with platforms like Disperse and also other 360, at least they could maybe work one day a week at home or maybe every two weeks they'll have one day off. But those small little things, those small extra days, 
is what will help, I think, change the industry to give more flexibility and more ability for the team to the industry to have flexibility. Flexibility and really improving the state of everyone involved in the industry. That's one benefit that technology has bestowed upon us. But what else do you see forthcoming, right? Especially in the next five to 10 years where we expect, right, this pace of construction technology to really pick up even more than it has in the past five. It's growing out of that exponential. I mean, we're all going to say that, but it really is. And like, it worries me that we are not teaching ourselves how to teach ourselves to learn new technology and to implement it into my work, into your workplace, if that makes sense. Going back to the example I used very early about myself taking 360 photos, I, you know, showcased it and I bought the camera. I knew that if I went to my senior leadership and asked for four or 500 pounds to buy, I would have had to do a business plan. I had to do those. It would have been several weeks and I would have missed the opportunity. And I just did it. And it was a bit, maybe a bit reckless, but I did it because I knew this was going to have benefits and it did. But I learned, I taught myself and I've learned, especially in the role that I'm in now in sales, in business development, in marketing, I had to teach myself these new skills. And that's my concern in the future is like, if you are not embracing this type of technology and like learning this bit of technology and then the next bit of technology, you are going to be left behind. It's going to be a real big issue in the industry if you are not teaching yourself. So in the next five to 10 years, I do see the industry is going to change. And like we are, there's a, a wealth of new people coming through, so to speak, that will have this betterment of like learn how to learn on the go. Like I'm just using an example. My kids, I've got seven and five before, love Minecraft. It's amazing how quick and good they are. But you know what? They have taught themselves essentially how to play those games. They're really detailed, an incredible amount of detail you can go into. And so if anyone who's got nephews or kids that have got it, just watch them, just see how they learn and they teach themselves. That is what I think we're going to see more people learning and just embracing technology in like the next five seasons. That's what I'm hoping. We're really going to see a big shift in like where the capabilities do go to. I do see augmented reality and mixed reality eventually coming in. I'm a bit hesitant to say that because I have been a bit critical on it in the past, but at the same time, I do see there is a platform there and I think it's going to be, I hate to say it, but I think Apple Vision Pro, their goggles. If you look at some of the stuff that they're doing, they've got some software out there. Polycam is a great one. If you've got iPhone Pro to check it out, they are actually setting up so that when they scan things that they're putting in the fundamentals of what objects are. So essentially everything that we see that in Twitter, they are going to know what it is that foundation i think it is they will be able to then apply it to construction and i think they will have the ability that's my gut feeling so augmented reality yes in the future but it just needs to be actionable i don't see the point in it right now because it doesn't tell you anything you have to tell yourself it what i see right what you mentioned was a really great opportunity right because there are those that are going to tinker and experiment and succeed and for those types of people, it's a great opportunity because there are others who just, for whatever reason, just decide to, that they're going to keep doing things the way they have, which in some cases is, is just fine. And others, it means they're going to, you know, lose out on some significant progress for it. Those who do want to move forward and maybe take a path similar to yours, what are the most crucial skills or knowledge areas for making a transition from whether it be like engineering or architecture or construction to a career in construction tech? I think for anything, I always say that you need to continuously continue to be curious. Like you need to constantly like, what is that? And, and ask questions. Like I consider myself to be really curious with literally everything. You know, there's not many subjects that I haven't 
read done some research i've watched youtube videos on i've learned about the majority of things there's a few things i'm really passionate about which is obviously construction technology engineering i'm also big into into health and i like to like learn those stuff things so i definitely think if anyone's listening if you find that you're actually just sitting there watching youtube and actually into construction tech and you enjoy learning that's the type of bug that you need and i think actually we all need that because i think in the future going back to that five ten you know 20 years time the career path that you've got right now especially if you just come out of university and you've got your bachelor's in 10 years time you will probably need to change roles and you will need to change a whole new career, whether you go back to school or whatnot and learn. But I think that's going to become far more common because of just the rate of acceleration in tech. You are going to physically have to just learn on the job and have to actually just do it because there are just so many new abundant jobs that I've just created. I mean, like, look, it was only last year, ChatGPT came out in November uh, with 3.5 or whatever it was. And within the last nine, 10 months, there are hundreds of new AI companies all popping up using ChatGPT. It has created a whole new wealth of technologies out of nowhere because they're leveraging what ChatGPT did. So you just think like when other technologies do come on, whether it's Apple ProVision or something, you know, you know, we come out with something or whatever, there will just be these new opportunities that arise that you could then jump onto. And if anyone's interested in looking at construction tech, if you're out at practice right now or an engineering practice or architect, ask right now, what are you doing internally? And what are you doing in terms of like embracing new tech? It sounds really primitive and simple, but just ask. Like, what are they doing? If they're not doing anything, I highly recommend you leading it. Just take it. And if they say no, just do it anyway. Just get in there, get stuck in and start researching. Because if you want to go into construction tech and if you want to go into sales or in, in some sort of like realm that I'm in, you have to be driven. My calendar is essentially up to what I want to do. I have to drive myself to get my opportunities. And that's the same as if you move on to, especially if it's a startup. Because these startups, the startup environment, you have to drive. It's definitely crazy you know there's pros and cons to it which i've only learned now you as a person have to be like drive yourself so starting off in your own company you work at and say yeah, i'm going to start up a technology innovation company then i would then start asking all your peers what are the challenges you have you may have a challenge yourself you may have a challenge that you don't know how to code or you might have this one bit of software that you don't know how to talk to the other we learn document it talk about it find out how it's improved, how can you iterate, work out the ROI, the return on investment in terms of what time it took you to and what your output, was it worth it? Probably not, but the learning curve was, and then take that and say, right, how can I now replicate that on all these other projects? Or maybe my other team over here, they don't know about it. If you can start doing that, you're going to get a bug for it. And then if you ever go to a construction tech and say, I did this, I started a tech innovation in my company, I... Um, innovated this, we did all these things, I learned, I learned on the way, we did these failures, these positive, I could do a job. The fact that you show the enthusiasm, the drive to actually do it and continuously learn, I think that's fantastic. If you've got that type of attitude, I think you're then right step, at least, at least working with me. And that's like that you mentioned that startup environment because things are so dynamic, customer needs are constantly changing, right? Your market strategy may change just based on the feedback you're getting. By having that skill set to just be continuously able to take in information, make decisions, and ultimately just be curious, right? It's a great fit. And frankly, that's a lot of what engineering is. If you're listening, right, and you want to make that transition, please like, you know, reach out to Will and and pick his brain because there's a opportunity is abundant. I think if I just wanted to pick one little cost of warning. I'm going to be honest because I'm giving you some positives and, and like, oh, it's brilliant when I do it. I hate someone to jump in and not necessarily know the negatives. If you were in a startup, it is a startup. 
And so there is the, ultimately it's a business which has a higher risk than what it would be than you probably going from a more traditional company that's been there for, you know, bricks and mortar for years, for decades. So just to bear in mind, I think I transitioned to the business I was when I was 35 and I had kids, and I had a mortgage and it was like, do I do this? Because I'm essentially, I could go down the career path that the company I was at, Robert Bird Group, I'll be a director eventually, under door, you'll be all fine. But I chose and I took that challenge to do it. And that has been a risk that I have accepted. So it's just something that you, it's worth like considering like, is this the thing for me to do? I personally think yes, because you never know if you didn't try it. And also you've already got the flavor, you, got the, you want to do this type of stuff, do it. Because just take that energy and put it in something that ultimately you are creating something that's fresh, that's new. And that's essentially what Disperse is. That even like the platform itself is elements that we keep adding, although I'm not the direct person who's making the product, I feel like I'm a part of it and I can have my say in it. And it's something different than just necessarily just designing piles all the time. Is there any last advice or words of wisdom you'd like to give to the audience for today? I think the key element is just, like I said, just continuously learn be curious. It sounds so cheesy when I say it out loud. For me, at least, it has been what has helped me get to where I am. And I really do feel like I've got a I've got a different trajectory where I'm going in my career. And I think it's down to those elements and it's down to working at Disperse and in a different environment. And hey, in three or four years' time, I might be somewhere else, but I think I will be still be in this field of working on creating new tech. So like I said, if anyone does need, if you want to talk about going into this type of roles, feel free to reach out to me on, on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to arrange a chat and to talk about it further. Besides LinkedIn, is there any other ways they should get in touch with you? My email address is will at disperse.io. More than happy to reach out. My Calendly is open on uh, LinkedIn, which is at will Sinnet. Uh, um, my surname for those listening is S Y W N O T, Irish. I am also half American, uh, although I've just got this really strong English accent. Lived over here majority of my life. For those listening, right, you'll be able to find Will's information and contact info in the show notes. So. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on today. Absolute pleasure, Nick. And yeah, thanks again. All the best. Please remember, you can find the show notes for this episode at aectechpodcast.com. There, you will find a summary of key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering and technology endeavors. Thank you.